0: radio md radio MD.com. the world's preeminent talk radio portal all about your health and now here's
1: melanie cole ms host of staying well If you're a parent, you know that sleep disorders in children at some point during their childhood can be both frustrating, infuriating for both of you. You're both tired. The children aren't sleeping, which means you're not sleeping. So what do you do? How do you figure out if it's just normal sleep issues or something more like a disorder that actually needs to be seen by your pediatrician? My guest is Dr. Beth Mallow. She is a professor of neurology and pediatrics at Vanderbilt University. Welcome to the show. So, Dr. Mallow... Tell us, what are the most common children's sleep disorders? Is I mean, is it just insomnia? Is it stress and anxiety? What's the most common reason children can't sleep?
0: Oh, well, thank you for having me. I I agree with everything you've said. It's a really important issue, and there's lots of different reasons why kids can't sleep. Um, Certainly the stress and anxiety that we have in in today's society can add in. Um, Insomnia, sleep apnea is very common. About um, 1% to 3% of kids can have sleep apnea. Um, And there can be a whole host of other things, including you might have heard of night terrors, where kids will just be real scared and inconsolable in the middle of the night. I think the important thing to realize is that all of these sleep problems are treatable and it's important to get help.
1: So when do we get help? I mean, you know, the first couple of weeks, you're just trying the typical routine, calming them down, and the many parents, Dr. Mello, resort to sitting in their child's room or letting them crawl in bed with them, which we know are really not great things to get into the habit of doing.
0: Right. I, I think that you know if a problem persists for more than a few weeks, it's important to get help because it may be just some simple measures that your pediatrician can help you put into place can make a big difference, or it may be that your pediatrician says, hey, you know what, let's go ahead and make a referral to a sleep specialist let's go ahead and do a sleep study to test for something like sleep apnea, for example. Um, Those are very simple things that can make a huge difference for your child as well as your whole family. So I would say a few weeks, you know, it's okay to go on the Internet, go to the bookstore, look up some simple things, try a few simple things, but if it's going on more than a few weeks, bring it up with your pediatrician.
1: Then you mentioned sleep study, and with children, how effective is a sleep study? I mean, are they going to actually sleep at a, a clinic when they're hooked up and scared, and are their parents, you know, just quickly touch on that, and when does it resort to actual treatment, medications, something more than trying melatonin or darkening shades or any of these other tips, as you say, you can read on the Internet?
0: Sure. Sure. So the red flags, a sleep study is not for everyone, I agree, and we we don't do them lightly because it is a big deal. They're expensive. It involves bringing, you know, a child into the lab. We uh, reserve them for kids who are particularly waking up at night, and we don't know why. The child falls asleep okay, but we don't know why they're waking up. We don't know if they're having a brain problem waking them up or... Uh, a leg movement problem, waking them up, or as I I mentioned, the night terrors, some forms of seizure activity can can cause night wakings. Uh, Whenever we're just not sure, we oftentimes bring them in. I'm very careful to try to do other things first. For example, I might have parents make videotapes on their phone and bring those to the clinic visit uh, so I can look at what their child is doing. But when I'm concerned about a breathing problem, a leg movement problem, a seizure problem, a night terror problem, I oftentimes will bring them into the sleep lab. We do our sleep studies in a hotel at Vanderbilt. Uh, it works out really well. the The kids love it. The families feel very comforted there. so you might check into you know your your listeners might check into what facilities are available. And then the other thing to remember is we're not after a normal night of sleep. We're really after trying to capture as much sleep as we can that will tell us what's going on. So even if the child doesn't sleep perfectly normally in the lab, which is understandable, if we can capture enough data to show that they're, for example, stopping breathing or not stopping breathing in their sleep, that can be extremely helpful.
1: So, Dr. Mallow, give us some of your best advice on improving children's sleep that does not involve, you know, the full-on pediatric visit. What can we do to help our children sleep at night? You know, I know a lot of parents, and we do a show here for the American Academy of Pediatrics, and we give a lot of this kind of advice. However, it's always, you know, the lists need, parents are looking for what really can we do. Does a hot bath before bed help. Chamomile or jasmine or lavender, do those really help? What about melatonin? Give us some of your best advice.
0: Sure. Well, what I should probably preface this by saying is I'm actually writing a book right now um, that will be available on Amazon for children uh, with autism. It's directed at parents of children with autism who are frazzled and their kids can't sleep. And I only mention this because My feeling is if you can get a child with special needs to sleep, you can probably get any child to sleep. And it focuses on uh, the basics of treating a child with insomnia. So this would be, you know, the pediatrician has ruled out all the medical issues, which is really, really important. We want to make sure... There's not a medical cause like a breathing problem or a stomach problem or some other reason why a a child isn't sleeping, is either not falling asleep or staying asleep. But then once you've gotten past all of that, you want to focus, as you're saying, on what are some simple things that will work. And what we found is regardless of whether a child has special needs or they're typically developing, a lot of the same principles go into place. So, for example, you want... Just like in adults, you want to have a calming, soothing bedtime routine. You want to put some space between the activities of the day and the nighttime, and that could be a soothing bath. If a bath is, is soothing for the child, if the child finds a bath to be too stimulating, you'll want to move the bath earlier in the evening, you know, so that there's some space between that and bedtime, and you want to do some other things that might be soothing instead, like... Um, playing with Legos or um, listening to music or reading a book, uh, you'll notice that I did not include things like watching TV, watching a movie, turning on the iPad, and any of this. And that's No because,
1: technology. We got that. Right,
0: right. And a lot of people don't understand why. And the reason is that the light from the computers actually suppresses our natural levels of melatonin, the melatonin that we all make in our bodies, and it can be very, very stimulating to watch a movie or watch TV or play a video game. So for those two reasons, the light suppressing nature of the melatonin um, and the um, and the stimulating, we're we're really big believers in no electronics. Say good night to the iPad, at least you know, ideally an hour before bedtime, at least a half an hour before bedtime, all of the electronics would be off. The other thing, and a lot of kids will be very happy to hear me say this, is sometimes kids go to bed too early. Um, sometimes the parents want to put their children in bed at 7, 7.30, and the child sometimes needs to go to bed a little bit later, like 8, thirty, nine, 9 even. And what that does is it allows the natural sleep drive, the time when we really are ready to fall asleep to kick into place. We we all know as adults what it's like. Let's say we have to catch a plane the next morning and we say, okay, I normally go to bed at 10, I'm going to go to bed at 8 30 tonight. And we go into bed at 8 30 and we just lie there and lie there and lie there. And we get more and more anxious because we can't sleep. So, what I advise parents is push the bedtime a little bit. only later. have about 10
1: seconds, okay. Dr. Mallory. Oh, you okay. just only have 10 seconds. Okay. So, thank you so much. It's really great advice and and parents talk to your pediatrician and let them help you if it's been more than a couple of weeks of non-sleep and sleepless nights for your child. This is Melanie Cole you're listening to Radio MD. Thanks for listening and stay well.